usual aim. So, this morning we are turning to Ezekiel, but we are not staying there, so don't worry. I'm not going to uh, expand it too much, and I'll keep it as, uh, as clean as possible. Uh, but what this passage is that I've given us this morning is just another example. That's really what I wanted to function as. It's another example of something that we already know to some degree. Uh, did you pick up anything in the passage that's unique or interesting or something that you've seen before? Does it sound familiar? Um, can anyone recall another account where something like this happened? Revelation. Revelation. Yeah. Passover. Sorry? Passover. Yeah. So that's going back in the Old Testament. Fantastic. Any other accounts? No, it's going to get trickier. So. Okay, Abram's circumcision. Great. So what's interesting is there is something that is done in Scripture, and this is part of how God functions, is what we've been looking at. Let me first say this. What we've been looking at over the last three weeks and this week four is seeing how God's Holy Spirit, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, doesn't change. Our God that we serve is the same God, Old Testament through to New Testament. The way He acts, what He does is the same. And so this is just another example to see how, in the very person of who God is, and how He acts, and what He does, and rules and reigns, is consistent. There is a consistency to who He is. So if you see this passage here, it sounds petrifying, and it really is. It should instill a level of almost fear in us, because He is saying, you need to be set apart. You need to stand out. You need to be different to everyone else. What is an issue in the circumstance, if you want to carry on reading, I suggest I'm not going to read it purely because of this circumstance this morning. But go and read the passage further and actually see the dynamic of what's taking place. There is an issue within Israel. They are living lives that's in, in completely to their own will, however they see fit, however they want to do it, and God is wanting to deal with them. Now, Ezekiel's standing there saying, but there's going to be no one left. And he's petrified that literally God is going to come in and wipe everyone out. That seems to be the kind of picture that's painted, and Ezekiel's frightened that that's what's going to happen. And God is trying to say to him, well, you guys have abandoned me. You guys aren't following my name. You aren't believing in me. You aren't trusting in me. You're turning to other things instead. And we see that going all the way back to Passover as an example, where you have God saying to Israel that he wants to save them out of Egypt, and they must mark the door frames. And everyone that does recognizes themselves to be part of Israel. They are part of God's people, and they are set to be saved. And the angel of the Lord comes over Egypt, and wherever those markings went, the angel came in and killed the firstborns. This sounds horrific, but this is God saying, I want you to be my people, a fruitful people, a people that will go out and be a blessing to the nations. That leads us to the covenant that he makes with Abraham, that they will be a covenantal people, a people who he makes a covenant, he cuts a covenant with, and they are then Circumcised. It's a physical demonstration of something far deeper, far more real within the heart than it is a physical sign. 
or at least that's how it should be. So Israel as a people are God's chosen people. So last week we looked at what it means to be set apart, to be part of the sanctified people of God. And so we are being sanctified by being set apart, and the Holy Spirit sets us apart. Now we are looking at how He does that. As He sets us apart, He actually marks us. It is the Holy Spirit who leaves a mark on us. He is the mark. He is the seal. So here in Ezekiel, we have this picture yet again to see the consistency of God, where He is saying, put a mark Put a mark on your people, on their foreheads, those who grieve and lament over the detestable things that are done in it, as verse 4 says. There is something terrible happening in Israel. There is something terrible happening in Israel. But notice also where this whole issue starts. God doesn't go into the nation, into the rest of Israel, into the city itself. He starts at the place that it matters most, and that is his temple. God starts at his temple, and he moves out. So here we have just that example. Put a mark on your foreheads for those who grieve and lament over the detestable things that are happening. You grasp that. So this is part of the picture that we are given here. JJ is just going to move the speaker outside for those outside now. I want to just highlight another example, and this has always been one that resonates with me. So if you want to turn there, otherwise just take a note of this. It is Deuteronomy 6, and there's such a beautiful picture that God gives there to his people. They have been given, so Deuteronomy being the second book, of the second giving of the law. So Deuteronomy being the second giving of the law, they have just received the law for the second time, or to this group of uh, of Israel, this people group. As they have received it, he then says to them in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel. So maybe you've heard of a thing called the Shema. Okay, He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Listen to these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as, a, as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's a picture of 
owning, taking on what God has done for you and marking that. That when people see you, when they come and visit you, when you're walking down the, the street, they recognize that you are set apart. You are God's chosen people. So this is an incredible passage just to again highlight this idea that God, He does it here as an example of how He has set His people apart. God marks His people. The question is why? So we need to ask that question, why does God want His people to be set apart? Any questions? Why does, he, why does God want His people to be marked? An example to the nations. An example to the nations? Yeah. Anything else? Anyone? So people know that God is there. Yeah. To know that they are God's people and God is there. He loves them. He loves them. Yeah. All good answers. There's a bigger one. God is on a mission. God is on a mission to set things right. Israel is the starting point of this mission. Israel is God's people to set things right. He is marking them so that He can restore things to how they should be. And this is the starting point. So we've kind of glanced through Scripture. Where did we start? We started with the Holy Spirit series that we've been looking at, with the Spirit hovering over the waters in the beginning. But after that, there was the fall. And man was cast out of the garden, out of God's presence, out of that life that He had given them. And God is wanting man to come back to that point. And so by marking His people... He is marking His people for the day in which He creates a new heaven and a new earth. He is marking His people because He wants them to have a future. That He wants them to have opportunity in life. He's marking them so that they can be a testimony to the world around them. In Ezekiel, he is marking his people because he is not only wanting just any people, but he is wanting righteous people that are in awe of him, that fear him, that love him, that serve him, and are dedicated to him. And the people that are being marked, at least in Ezekiel, are those that are grieving and lamenting about what is happening that is wrong and not righteous. God is seeking a righteous people. He is marking a righteous people. He is setting apart a people that He can call His own. And God can only call good, righteous, perfect people His own. And that's what He wants to be. That's what He offers us in Jesus Christ. Well, let's quickly look at another example just picking up in Romans. Romans 4. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It's alright. 
Romans 4 verse 9, it says, this is talking about Abram. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abram's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before he was? Not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to him. Abram is an example of the seal of this one that has been marked by his faith that he had before any of the marking took place. But it was to do with faith and righteousness that he had. And God marked him and called him to be the father of others who walk in the same way. Notice those words again. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. Incredible words, that. Something that we kind of glance over. That it was his faith, his, the righteousness that he had by faith. That's what made him worthy of the mark. So today, as we think about it, what makes us worthy of the mark? If God is the same constant God who marks his people, what makes us worthy of the mark? It is Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Listen to these words. And I think we really need to highlight this in Ephesians. Ephesians 1. If you want to turn there, these are profound words that Paul says to us. And this is coming, coming, bringing it into focus, the role that the Holy Spirit plays for us. So Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul begins by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So just pausing there. 
This is all possible in Jesus Christ. This is what God has done. He has done what He has done through Jesus Christ, through the work of Christ on the cross. And He has given that to us. He has given His Son to us for the sake of forgiveness, for redemption, and for the day when He will call all things into unity. Verse 11. In Him we also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now pick up these words. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And he carries on. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. It is by the Holy Spirit that He establishes not the physical mark perhaps as what Abraham experiences experiences, but a far deeper mark that is put on us by and through the Holy Spirit. The thing that sets us apart today, but doesn't change the nature or the character of God, is that God is a God who wants to mark His people, as in set them apart, that they are distinguishable from everyone else. But what sets us apart in a slightly different way, and when I say us, after the cross, What sets us apart is that the mark that we are given is far more permanent, far more real, far more unchangeable. You see, the issue before was always about circumcision or about whether you obey God's laws. Whereas what sets us apart here is something that we cannot change. Because it is God Himself that sets us apart, that marks us. Every other mark that is made is a physical symbol to suggest something. Whereas the Holy Spirit becomes that mark that we cannot tamper with. We cannot tamper with the Holy Spirit being a mark upon our lives. And it's by grace that it is that way. Because if we tampered with it, we would lose it in some way or form. By our own foolishness, we would lose the very mark of God on our lives if it was anything other than the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit for us today, He is our mark. He is that mark upon our lives for the day of redemption. He is the one that seals us. Understanding why I say mark and seal interchangeably, The concept of a signet ring is often the the concept that is given to help understand that mark. It's the seal. It's the mark that is used by a signet ring as an example that you stamp into wax to get that mark. And that's a concept that runs through even the Old Testament is this idea of sealing, of marking. It's It's a sign of ownership. It's a sign of belonging. It's a sign of, it's a sign. 
that as the word sign means. It's your signature on something. So to have a sign or a mark on you, you are signed by the very Creator for the day of redemption. It's just that beautiful picture that, you know, if, you, if you've ever created a piece of artwork, and don't know who all paints or who draws or does something, but if you have, or maybe it was still something that you did at school, if you've ever done something that you're really proud of, there's, there's a level of joy and excitement to put your name on it and say, this is mine. To actually, whether it's a sculpture engraving your initials on it, or whether it is a painting and putting your name in the corner, or whether it's even an academic paper that you have written and you remember was so good that you were actually proud to have your name on it. Whatever it may be, there's something about putting your name on something that you are proud of having created. Through Jesus Christ, God can once again do so with joy and excitement by putting his name on us and in us. And he does that by sealing us. Sealing us by his Holy Spirit. I want to read, just in closing, in actual fact, these last few words here in Revelation. I thought it's fitting. We started the series in Genesis and to end in Revelation and just see a level to which what we are waiting for, if I can put it that way. And how the Holy Spirit is sealing us and marking us for the day of redemption and what that kind of looks like. Revelation 22. I promise you it's the last time I'm going to ask you to turn anyway. But Revelation 22, verse 12, we pick up there. It's a beautiful passage that's at least painted. And I hope this kind of ties it up for you. Ties up what the Holy Spirit is doing for us and in us and through us. When we've seen how the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about glory, we've seen how the Holy Spirit sets us apart, He sanctifies us, but really I hope that you see that the Holy Spirit is the one who secures us for the day of redemption. That in Him we can have confidence, but we can also have peace and assurance knowing that something incredible awaits us. Listen to these words in verse 12 of chapter 22. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gate, through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, 
Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, the e and everyone who loves the practice to practice falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And I'm read just that far. He's calling us in. He's calling us in. He's calling us to a restored reality. Restoring us to how it was or should have been before the fall. He is calling us, He is calling us to come, join Him, all those who have the mark of His Spirit. It is the Spirit and the Bride that say, come. It is Christ that enables us to come. It is the Spirit that gives us the right to come if that makes sense. It is the Spirit who says when we get to that gate, we have the right papers. We can come through. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever traveled, whether it's crossing a border, that feeling of getting there with your, your passport and wondering if it's in order to be able to get through, for some reason it's always a nerve-wracking feeling. And here he says, with my spirit, you don't have to fear. Come. 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 You believe in Jesus. What he has done, he says come. And my spirit says come. The day of redemption. The day that you set foot through those gates and enter into his kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. A kingdom that is perfected in and through God. When I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what they have done throughout time, from Genesis through to Revelation, as we have it in here. Come. It is a joy to be able to call on Jesus Christ as Lord. And it is even further joy to know that his spirit seals us for the day of redemption. And I hope that that fills you with a joy and an assurance for that day. That you will get through those gates without question. Without second guessing. Because if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and that he has given you his spirit, rejoice. Rejoice today. It is good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your incredible plan throughout your word your plan to set things right, your plan to restore 
your creation to bring unity to heaven and earth through your Son by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that this morning, if there is anything that we may ask for, is just a deep assurance of the Spirit's work in our life as he sanctifies us and as he secures us for the day of redemption. That if ever there is a moment of wavering or uncertainty, that we may be reminded, that we may be reminded of your Holy Spirit, who is the seal and the mark upon our lives. So gracious Father, I pray that we will be mindful of you, of how consistent you are, how how you don't change, that you are the same God yesterday, tomorrow, and today. Throughout the ages, you remain the same as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.